episode of our watch show extravaganza. This is episode 8, the finale of The Wheel of Time on Amazon, The Eye of the World. We've finally made it and survived another round of The Eye. It's quite a doozy of an episode, lots going on. It's a heavy wine pour kind of day, so get it ready, and we'll jump into it in just a second. This episode was directed by, I'm sorry, I think I pronounced his name Siren last episode. It's pronounced Kieran Donnelly, and written by Rafe Judkins. Hi, Lily. What did you think of this episode? What are your first impressions? Rafe Judkins, and also Julia mentioned at the end of Eye of the World, we talked about this too in our show or our book review, that the end of the Eye of the World is confusing because it, as Julia explained, doesn't really follow the rules of channeling that are established later in the book series. I found the show ending to be more confusing than the book, but that was something. Um, but my main one is they just replaced uh, a lot of the action of the finale with dialogue. And I understand that's probably due to COVID, due to some other restrictions, yep. but that was something I noticed heavily in this episode. Yeah, yeah. No, I would say I was surprised. I like I went into this episode not knowing what to expect because I mm-hmm. knew it had to be different from the book. And I was kind of surprised by certain things I definitely enjoyed more than I thought I might. Certain things... I'm still going to nitpick on, yeah. uh, but it wasn't as bad as I think some other people took it for me. I like, it wasn't, I didn't think it was that bad. It's not that great either, but it's a whole season of the wheel of time, which is still really exciting. And I'm still pumped for season two. So with that, why don't we jump into the summary and then we'll talk about our rating and get into the nitty gritty of the episode. Let's do it. All right. We start off, and I'm sorry, I think I lied last week when I said last week's cold open was my favorite because it might be this one and I can't decide. (laughs) (laughs) We begin 3,000 years ago in the Age of Motherfucking Legends. We meet Luz Theron Telamon, a.k.a. the Dragon Reborn, and Latra Pose... I'm sorry. Yep. The Tamerlan (laughs) Seat. (laughs) We're in the midst of the War of Power. The boar is open, the Dark One is able to touch the world, and the forces of light are desperate for a way to seal the Dark One again. But the Aes Sedai are split on how to seal him away. Luz Theron has a plan to seal the boar, but Latra and many others think it's too risky. We leave the scene with an awesome overhead shot showing us what life was like before the breaking, a flourishing society with skyscrapers and planes and technology, all lost when the Dark One tainted Sidene. Mm. So crazy to go from that to the current world. Anyway. Yeah, ouch. Yeah, oof. Back to present day. In Faldara, Nynaeve reveals that she tracked Moraine, not Lan, after Beltine, and Mo has a tell. Now Lan can track her through the blight, and that's exactly what he does for the rest of the episode. Rand and Moraine are in the Blight, and they're having a great time, as they do in the book. They've got some company in the form of dead men, and Rand even gets to rest a little bit. So, Ballsy comes to Rand in a dream, and we get a face reveal. It's very classic Ballsy. He's got lots of bragging, calling Rand Luz, sowing distrust in Aes Sedai. But Rand manages to figure it out and escape the dream. 
before the scene changes, Moraine gives Rand a Sa'angriol to use at the eye. Meanwhile, back in Faldara, the city is preparing for the incoming Trollic army. Lord Agalmar will take his forces to Tarwin's Gap and hold them off as long as he can, but the odds are not in their favor this time. So the townspeople evacuate, Lady Amalisa organizes the defenses, and Lord Agalmar's men start unearthing something from beneath the throne. And Padden Fane finally reveals himself again. He's followed them all the way to Faldara for one thing and one thing only, the Horn of Valir. Fane rolls up with his snaky boy besties, stabs everyone, and grabs the horn for himself, and leaves. Bye, Fane. Lady Amalisa and the girls, outside the town's walls, set up a circle, which I don't think we've encountered before, and prepare for the incoming Trollic army. Together, they're able to destroy the army, but Amalisa is overwhelmed by the power she holds, and one by one, the women in the circle burn out and die leaving Egwene alone to heal Nynaeve from near death. Rand and Moraine, meanwhile, make it to the Eye of the World, the place where Luz Theron sealed the Dark One 3,000 years ago. Rand starts to recall his previous life, and loses consciousness, imagining a life with Egwene in the Two Rivers. Moraine tries to wake him up, but she's stopped by Balzi himself in the flesh, maybe? Kind of. Inside Rand's mind, Balzi presents Rand with a temptation, the life he wanted to have with Egwene. Rand nearly succumbs to it, but ultimately returns on Balzi, blasting him to smithereens. He leaves the eye, requesting that Moraine say he died there. Moraine herself is alive, but can't channel. Whether she was stilled or not, we don't quite know? But she's holding a piece of Quaindiar, a piece of the seal on the Dark One's prison. This was not the last battle. Mm. We end the season with one final scene. A cold closer? A fleet of ships have arrived carrying women who can channel. They make a giant wave for some reason on the beach. Very intimidating. I'm sure those cliffs are scared. And that's where we end it. That little girl was really threatening. Did you did you see what she was making in the sand? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it looked like a cannon, which <laughs> that could have destroyed the whole fleet. You know? Uh, Listen, she she's need- a danger. <laughs> she needed to be tsunamied. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, let's talk about our rating for this episode. Lily, why don't you go first? Okay, so I gave this one a three pitchforks out of five. I was telling Julia pre-show, I would give the entire series a three pitchforks out of five rating uh, mm-hmm. for the first season. A lot of things that I like, certain things that I didn't. Here's the main one. We need more time. Amazon? Yes. We need more time. Stop with this eight episode bullshit. Stop with this 58 minute per episode bullshit. We need more time to flesh out the really big story so that this finale doesn't feel rushed, which it did. So, I watched this episode and I immediately recorded my thoughts post, and here's what I came away with. So, I'm excited. The final scene of the episode saved the entire episode, in my opinion, because to me, Hmm. it was the show telling the audience, I'm going to be the show now. Hey! We know the finale was underwhelming, and the whole first season was also kind of underwhelming because the first book isn't the best book of the whole series. So why don't we tease you 
with this scene of this wild shit happening to get you into season two just quickly forget about season one because season one is not the point <laughs> yeah. of wheel of time lots of intros that is the intro right that is the dragon reborn but that is not the meat of the series that's not why people love the series <sighs> yeah yes we will get into more of it i thought this episode was fine there were issues so that's why i'm going middle of the road with it but yeah it just felt mm-hmm. like they had to throw in this scene at the end to be like hey guys like it's we're still doing this it's still season two's coming like i know the first season was like mm, but like don't worry type of thing <laughs> yeah and like what a foreshadowing too because i'm excited to see i'm that. very very excited i can't wait to watch on screen i'm excited to reread eye of the world to see if there are little hints here and there about an impending conflict on yeah, the far i think Western there's a shore. throwaway line like once okay there was one character even in the show uh, i think episode six maybe where moraine is talking to the blue eyes uh, reader yeah. migan and migan mentions all of the things that are going wrong and she says ships are disappearing off the western shore mm. makes sense that it's this giant fleet of tsunami people all right what about your rating all right i I struggle with rating. I called this a 3.5 out of 5 pitchforks, which I feel like it could have gone anywhere from a 3 to a 3.5. Like, I don't exactly (laughs) have a hard written, like, rule for how I rate this show. It's just kind of a feeling. It's not my favorite episode. Probably more on par with episode 1, which is, I think I rated 3 also, so somewhere close to that. I think all the major points and the way that the characters are set up, I have no arguments with at all. It's just the like little details that I end up not liking that I feel like takes away from it. I know COVID affected things so much, I'm sure. I'm sure it was really difficult, so kudos to everyone for getting through it. Yeah. I think this season will really depend on the seasons to come how i kind of look back on it in future years it could be saved because who knows maybe all the time they spent on those other characters will really pay off in season two and three right so we'll kind of have to see it's not my favorite it's not like you want the finale of a season to be really exciting and it didn't quite feel like that for me but it wasn't terrible either so again kind of middle of the road i think very similar because you want the episode before the finale to have a lot of momentum going into the finale so i think the mm-hmm. maybe season or episode seven could have been like them preparing and then like right before the battle starts that's when it cuts and then the they can spend the yeah. whole episode eight doing the battle the, like really eke out the whole rand thing but because five and six were focused on like i said i world there was just no time and again Maybe that was the plan, but COVID changed it. So we got what we got. I'm not mad about it. I'm excited for season two. I know. They still sucked us in anyway. It's Wheel of Time. I'm going to watch it. Give me more episodes, though. (laughs) Take your hands off of it. Just give Wraith everything. Stop sending notes to Wraith, okay? And if it was Amazon who was like, I think this episode needs more mouth stuff. Yeah, it's just an Amazon exec out there. Someone at Amazon has a mouth thing and they need to stop it. Yeah. Okay. Like, when Moraine's pulling the evil out of Matt, Matt, could it just, like, go over her mouth? And Rafe's like, mm-hmm. you know, we actually were just going to go right into the dagger that feels more yeah. relevant. Right. They're like, but, but the mouth. I want it on yeah. her mouth. And the compromise was 
the ending scene with the women who can channel will have something covering their mouth and that's they're like okay great uh, you know that's enough for me thank right. you for that right. so mouth guy at amazon hit us up so i'd like to start with the oh cold open opening scene you said this one was your favorite i think yeah. you like it much more because you understand the full context of it when you were doing your yeah. summary talking about the boar and the circle i don't know what any of that shit means so i i would say yeah. i love yeah. the cold open with Rand's mom, but you just have more knowledge of that. Here's what I got from it, because you have more of the context. Give Obviously, this is LTT Lucerne. First of all, excellent casting. That guy looks mm-hmm. so in power, like kind of cocky, like knows what's yeah. up, so, yeah. super, has all the swag, doing his thing, and then he's talking to the Tamerlan seat? Yeah. Is that right? Yes. So Okay, so I'm not supposed to... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, the the theory is that like the Tamerlan is the leader of the Aes Sedai at of the like Age of Legend Aes Sedai, let's say. The Amerlin seat or the the Tamerlan, the Tam whatever. You get what I mean. The Amerlin seat is kind of like I'm assuming formed into Amerlin after the breaking, so it's related to that word, but it's not exactly the same. Was is it like the Tam- uh, Tamerlan seat is the leader of Aes Sedai, all Aes Sedai men and women, and then when it became yes. just women, then it's Amerlin seat. Yeah, that, exactly. You summarized it perfectly, yes. There was no Amerlin in the Age of Legends, though. It was always just the Tamerlan. They were the singular leader. Okay. And then after the breaking, it was only women, so they became the Amerlin. Okay. Because in the setting, when I first watched it, I assumed that this was uh, Ilyena, uh, Louis Theron's wife. Oh. Because they're in yeah. they're in a nursery with a baby, and they're no, talking makes sense. and they're talking about yeah. you know, you know, Endgame, and I'm like, this uh, is this, but uh, it's not because they do the kind of awkward introduction where she's like, Louis Theron, Telemann, the Dragon yeah. Reborn, and La Trapeuse yeah. de Coupe. Tamerlan seat. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. so this is different. <laughs> Got it. Uh, gotta say, uh, a language was created uh, for this scene <clears throat> specifically. It is so good. The people who oh can create languages from a handful of words are geniuses. Like, your brain working on that fucking level? Are you kidding me? And the I'm, actors I'm did literally a great job. Melting. Okay, Julia, yeah. take it from here because I thought it was a great scene. I just didn't understand the full scope. The future society. Yeah bit yeah i loved it didn't look cheesy and like no weird futuristic vibe it just looked like cool as fuck and it totally fit yeah. in with that little taste that we got in episode one where we saw the skyscrapers of yeah. old uh, manethrin totally in line with that i i had to do some research on who latra actually was either way okay so this scene i love purely just because it makes me nerd out to see the age of legends because we literally never get this in the entire series like spoilers we don't see that ever so the fact that the show included this is such like a treat for me because it's like ah like this is what it looked like and like here you can really see how it's almost more sci-fi than fantasy at this point like magic yes is there but it's it's like a science kind of Mm -hmm. and i really love that it's just so different from what it it is in the present day for that Mm -hmm. world it's really cool to kind of look back and be like damn they had like a utopia (laughs) and they ruined it 
it's gone now. Well, in their dialogue, it seems like Luz Theron was pushing it. And so, yeah, so what was yes. the actual conflict that they were dealing with? Let me explain with the book and then where they ended up going for the show, because it's slightly different. Okay. So basically, in the book, Luz Theron is actually the Tamerlan, not Latra. Okay. Latra was the one who gathered all of the women Aes Sedai of a certain strength who would be useful to lose in his plan to prevent them from forming a circle with him because his plan is to take a bunch of Aes Sedai, go to the boar, which is where it's like the entrance to outside the pattern where the Dark One lives. Is it Eye of the World? Yes, in the show it is okay. Eye of the World. In the book, it's Sheal Ghul. Either way, the boar is just where the Dark One lives, whether it's Eye or Sheal Ghul Mountain. Luce's plan is to take a bunch of powerful Aes Sedai and just go directly seal the boar. Latra thinks that's really risky because you're exposing the one power itself to the Dark One, so she rightfully thinks in the show that, like, oh, okay, this could end up corrupting the one power, which, of course, it does. Right. And so she's like, no, you can't do this. So what she does is gathers all the women so they won't form a circle with him. And quick rundown on the circle... Linking slash forming a circle is when two or more channelers join together to increase their strength in the one power, and they're able to accomplish tasks that would otherwise be impossible alone. Okay. Thank you to the Wheel of Time fandom wiki. A circle has to be started by a woman. It cannot be started by a man, so if there are no women willing to go with Luz Theron to the boar to seal it, then they can't form a circle, therefore they are not going to be as powerful or be able to do as crazy feats as they need to be able to do to seal the Dark One himself away. Right. So Latra thinks it's too dangerous and she's like, no, I'm going to prevent you from doing this. Her plan instead was to use some kind of mega Angreal. We learned this episode, it's called the Saw Angreal, is, that's kind of like the next tier to annihilate the Shadow's army and then place a barrier around the boar. In the books, it's Shao Ghul. In the show, it would have been at the eye. While they think of a better plan of how to seal the boar itself. So instead of touching it, they're just going to like place a giant bubble around it and be like, don't go there. We'll have time to think about this. But Luz is like, no, we need to deal with this now. So that's the central conflict. So the show, it's a little different because Lantra th seems to like know that the corruption is a real risk where I don't know that she knew that in the book. They just knew it was a, a big risk and she thought it would be safer and they would have time to kind of think about things. Right. Luz was of the opinion that they had to do it now because the shadow was kind of winning at this point okay. in the Age of Legends. And so something had to be done. Well, yeah, I think the stakes when they were talking about were a bit confusing to me because you're right it's like they are living in a utopia and he's saying like we can stop the dark one's influence on our world forever and it's like what yeah. is the dark one's influence it seems like things are going pretty all right for y'all i know it doesn't seem to have touched that far if he's not able to get any of the women to make him the circle is that where the 100 companions come in so he goes there with 100 yes. guys Yep. And he, that can't make the circle. They still seal the boar, but it's imperfect. That's what ends up allowing the Dark One to taint Saeedine. The question is, was he right to do it then? Was it really too late to wait? Or if both of them, if both men and women had gone, would both be tainted at that point? Because oh. Luz thinks that, like, 
oh, if we're, if you guys come with me, then the plan will work. If you're not right. there with me, then it has a chance to fail. But if we would only go, come together, but we don't really know because there's literally no way of knowing who is right and who is wrong here. I can see both sides of this and why they're kind of arguing. It's literally like the weight of the world right. is on their shoulders with this decision. <laughs> and it does, you're right. It, it's like uh, Latra seems to know so much more about the future because she even says like the women will be here to pick up the pieces and of course she's right because that is what mm -hmm. it, what ends up happening and then it, all of the men break the world it's very tragic it's very tragic and there's just this level of haste involved and i wonder because the dragon being reborn is only happening every however many thousands of years like they don't remember what was happening with that dragon so i wonder if there's sort of this ticking time with Luz where he's like I'm the fucking dragon reborn I need to do something to like make my mark yeah. here's my chance let's go full send oh, because no. I assume that they had this talk and then they had other talks to eventually come to the decision of okay the women are not with you you're on your own and he's like all right well I'm too far in this and I'm going full send no. and we're going to the dark one and then he gets totally fucked for it yeah yeah, when he talks to his baby in the cradle, he says that it will be decided today. So I think he's literally going oh, out God. there that day. And that's like, Latra just showed up to be like, I'm pleading with you, don't do this. It's too risky. And which is crazy because it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't feel like danger is imminent right. in that space. My other thing with that is that maybe he's working off of a prophecy because prophecies are really held in high regard in the series. It's like, was something told to you that like today's the day you have to do this? Or if you don't hold and capture the Dark One now, in a week something really bad's going to happen? Like what, what is he <laughs> yeah, working on that he knew? It is, it's just incredibly tragic. Yeah, because yeah. it, it, it's 3,000 yeah. years later. And all of their predictions came true. Yeah, it's just, it's like she says, you'll throw us back a thousand years or more. And she was underestimating, really, because it's 3,000 years. It was also interesting, and I wonder if they're going to do anything with this, that he was called the Dragon Reborn, because in the book, the dragon was a new term. He was never called oh. the Dragon Reborn. He's just called the Dragon. So I don't know if they're going to lean into the reincarnation more and that he knew that he was reincarnated of someone else or something or if that was kind of a fluke or something i don't really know i'm i'm interested to see if they're kind of building up the lore with that i don't really know where they're going based on the level of technology that the age of legend seems to have you would think they would have records of a previous dragon so him being called the dragon reborn makes more sense yeah. whereas this age it doesn't make as much sense because moraine even alludes to this like the records of this place have been purged, but I would assume a lot of history has been lost because of how much they were set back. So like in this world, it's weird to be like, oh, the dragon reborn, why do they know about the dragon? It's just from stories, mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. I just loved to be, to be able to see the scene and see Luz himself. I hope we see more of him. I wanted to mention something that isn't super relevant to this uh, episode specifically, but I just thought it was cool. So something I noticed uh, earlier, so Julia, I sent you a video right before of the oh, intro, yeah. and this is what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, okay. in the intro, if y'all want to go back and watch it, when the name Yasha Stratikowski, who is the actor who plays Rand, when that name appears, the music like swells and the visuals of the light oh. spidering out, and it goes like this. Yeah. And 
I don't know if it's yeah. intentional, but I like to think that it's like the hint that Rand is the dragon because in that visual, it's like this is channeling like we're gonna pop yeah. it here because the yeah. music is sort of like and then it mm-hmm. kind of picks up at that. I don't know. It's just a cool detail. Oh, that I love I, the theme that it's I've so noticed. Good. It was really really cool. So, but yeah, so that will lead us into Rand. Uh, yeah, he's a uh, dragon reborn. Yeah, shocker. That's what's happening, and he's with Moraine. As Julia said, he's in the Blight. Uh, they pass Malkier, and there's a little bit of Malkier backstory. This oh, is yeah. Yeah. this is slightly different in the books, but it is kind of similar because how Moraine and Lan describe Malkier is that the Blight consumed it. And I yeah. think that's pretty much true in the book, because in the book it's more like there was a war, the Trollocs came... But in this, it's like the Blight just consumed it. And Moraine does explain that the Blight is a rot from the Dark One's prison. And she yes. describes it as it's alive and moving and it's growing. She's like, you know, only a handful mm-hmm. of years ago, it was miles from Faldara. Now it is only one mile from yes. Faldara. That is also true to the books as well. No, I, it's, it's kind of like an alive thing. It is overtaking things, so yeah, I think that's that's fair to say it's consuming Malkier. This is one of the scenes where I where I was thinking like the a dialogue was replacing action type of thing. Like they're they're walking through the blight, so there's some movement, but mostly it's just Moraine and Rand talking to each other and Rand's like, Alright, well, I'm the Dragon Reborn, what what the fuck am I supposed to do? And Moraine's like, Uh oh, I don't know. I mean, is that not true to the book as well? It's like, no one has a fucking plan. <laughs> no, but I love the, the Rand, again, show Rand being a, a little bit more mm-hmm. perceptive than book Rand. And he's being, he's like, no, 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 you always have a plan. Just tell me what to do. And then she whips out this yeah. like, little Buddha yeah. man. And she's like, this is so unreal. You will channel into it and you will obliviate the dark one. And Rand's like, that's it? G- got yeah. it. Perfect. And all right. I'll do it. <laughs> Moraine does include this little backstory, uh, which I loved. And she says, okay, mm. you will channel the one power, whether you want to or not. You won't have a choice when your life's on the line. And Rand's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know. And Moraine's like, okay, here's here's my uh, antidote. Ant- I don't know the fuck how to say that Anecdote. Word. Thank you. Anecdote. When I was a novice at the one, uh, the one power, <laughs> at the white tower, <laughs> there was a Aes Sedai who was much more powerful than I, and she took a liking to me. Is this Suan Sanche, I'm assuming? I think it I is. I actually don't know who she's talking about. In my head, I, I thought it was Suan. But regardless, Moraine was a novice. There was an Aes Sedai who took a liking to her, and Moraine was having trouble channeling. And so one night, this Aes Sedai comes to her... <laughs> Beats the shit out of her. The one yeah, this power. is a preview of the fucking tower. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll just say that. Oh, oh, well, I'm excited. <laughs> so she, <laughs> so she's getting lashed with fire and light so much so that the fear of losing her own life makes her channel. And she said, "I yeah. did it without thinking, without hesitation, and that's what you will do, Rand, when you are faced." with your life on the line. And that's true. We've seen mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. We see Nynaeve do this, trying to save land. We later see Egwene do this, saving Nynaeve. The one power will be there for you. You just have to uh, have a need yeah. and you reach out to it. But I, I love that uh, explanation 
she gives yep. Rand, I don't know if it's reassuring to him, because I think Rand's <laughs> emotion during this whole episode, or this uh, travel through the blight, is just like, listen, I'm a dead man walking ever since I came to yeah. your door and said I'm the dragon reborn, so whatever happens after yep. this, I don't care. He's like, I'm not getting yep. out of this alive, let's just go full send, no more secrets, no more misleading, just tell me what I have to do, I- I'm not gonna live, okay? Like, I left people behind. If that's the impression you got, I think the show did a fucking fantastic job with his okay. character then, because that yeah. is like, what else would you ever feel if you've been told you are the the prophesied savior or destroyer of the world right. when the previous version of you literally destroyed Utopia? Yeah. Yeah, like, you're gonna have a pretty negative outlook on your life at that point, I think. <laughs> it's not So, great. yeah, Moraine's like, you know, if you get beat within half an inch of your life, you're gonna channel. It's fine. Welcome to college. This is Isodike <laughs> School. Eh. All right? This, this is, is what called we Channeling through. 101. You're gonna start with horrific yeah. abuse, but you're gonna be stronger for it, okay? And that yeah. is the point. It builds character. Builds character. Uh, what did you think of the Moraine fake-out death and the introduction of the dark one. Oh my god i'm so over the fake out deaths okay there's like a million and one of them come on can we not with that like it's nasty it's it's effective and shocking you but it's like i almost expect them at this point so if there's more in season two i'm gonna be like unimpressed all right i'll just be sit there stone-faced the amazon exec did get his mouth stuff with the the knife through moraine he did mouth, he so really he did like, so thank you I'm so happy I got that. I also was like, this feels dreamlike. I was very mm-hmm. nervous when we first saw Bial's mom, and it was like the gray face, <gasps> and I was like, oh, yeah. God, no, 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 please, no. And then he did that weird thing where Ran uh, shoots that. the bow and arrow at him, and then he, like, shoves it through. I love that so much. I thought that was so well done, because the, I'll be honest, the ballsy mask with the fire eyes doesn't really do it for me. It kind it does of not. looks too... Uh, like uncanny valley. Like I, I, like a I just, I'm not scared mask. of it. Yeah. yeah, it just feels like he's in a horror house trying to spook you or something. But when he kind of like sucked in that arrow into his face and everything's kind of folding in and it looks like a literal like fabric going into his eyeball. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. I love that they revealed that it's just like he looks like a human. Like what's so scary about that? It's just the dark one himself standing in front of you well I, I thought it was cool because it's like this is the dark one's human form i think like this dark mm-hmm. one entity is way too powerful but this is how he presents himself to humans so that it maybe right, feels yeah. a bit more you have a little connection yeah we're the same you can you can build the world as you want rand yeah, yeah. you can do it yeah but it's a, another moment of dialogue over action where in the books there's this like mm-hmm. awesome battle with the forsaken and moraine and everyone's <sighs> taken out and then Rand yeah. goes and, and channels. Um, but no, he's just explaining things to him. And he's kind of like <laughs> <laughs> joking on Rand. He's like, oh, you God, you're like an idiot. Like, you don't even yeah. know how to channel. Aww. Like, did they tell you anything? And Rand yeah. takes credit. He is great at lucid dreaming. He just stabs himself in the gut. Oh, he's like, God, I don't so need, I'm just going full send. I don't care. This is a dream. No, Rand's like, do you think this is going to scare me? I'll stab myself. Bye. Bye. Peace. I wish he did like a little peace sign as he died. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, like a, like a a blow, blow, kiss. Duck face. I'll see you. Bye. I'm the dragon. 
Beltine's coming up. That's how I'm going to make the world. Yeah, in my image, Beltine every day, okay? And, then, <laughs> and the dark one's like, wait, no, this isn't light or dark. No, yeah, wait, like, wait you're no, losing stop, it. Stop. You're, wait, we need a new one. Egwene, <laughs> Egwene, she's the dragon. <laughs> so random rain do get to the eye. Again, I thought the design, this is something I've, very consistent with the show. The design of shit is very, very cool. I know from like a yeah extra special thing, the director said they were uh, slated to film in this actual location, the sort of jungle location for the blight because mm. of COVID. They couldn't. What they came up with, though, I thought, honestly, was really cool and really effective. Yeah. And so you have this sort of tunnel, and that is what's representing the eye, or as Julia says, it's also the Dark One's prison. The show is just making them the same, which honestly is fine. The, the fine, eye yeah, being the pool and the shit underneath the pool, it's a lot there, so I understand yeah. the show <laughs> starting around that. So Rand is like, uh, Bahrain, you mentioned that anyone that gets between me, because I am Dragon Motherfucking Reborn, yeah. and the Dark One is going to die. I don't even yeah. think Moraine responds to this. I think she no. just keeps walking. No, Rand's like, so we're, me and the Dark One, right? He's this hot guy. You're telling me we're going to grind so hard that anyone between <laughs> us is going to die? And Moraine's like, that's how I want to go. Yeah, the heat and the chemistry, no one's really able to handle it. And Moraine's like, you don't know what I get up to, okay? No. I'm into yeah. this shit. Yeah, she's had 20 years of searching. She's yeah. had plenty of time outside the tower to learn some things. You don't think Moraine wants to see how this goes down? You don't think Moraine wants to, like, get a knife up to your throat, Rand? You don't think that's been yeah. her fantasy for 20 years? Right? She's yeah. there. When was the only other time she's blocked her uh, border bond mm-hmm. with Land was when she was banging someone, all right? Right. So what do you think sh- her intentions are right now? Is all I'm saying. The connections? Yeah, no, that's a good theory. Wow. It could have turned, yeah, it could have really turned at the eye. <laughs> the dark one's like, Moraine, I don't, Mar- I don't want you, Moraine. Moraine's like, no. Yeah. This is, this is actually why I've come. Right. You and me. I mean, we've talked about Hey Arnold before and like, I think so. Hey Arnold's method of getting the bullies away is acting too crazy, right? So what if random Moraine just showed up and we're like, all right, where's the swingers party at? We're ready. <laughs> Yeah, Dark One's like, this is wildly different than 3,000 years ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sure, let's just go uh, full send. So they get down to the eye. Rand is, he does remember this. He, what's the quote? He says, yes, wait, I have it. Every time I grab onto something, it just slips away. But you do get this really cool uh, scene of Luz Theron, and he does this like sick move where he's like, hands over the face oh, yeah. and then the hands go down like he's about to channel this dude looks awesome yeah i just i need a i need a season of that guy uh, yeah i just want to see him owning also just a quick side note i like that it was the way he moved right before what i'm assuming was channeling was so fluid and i'm hoping that means that people who aren't trained by the white tower will be more fluid in their movements because the eyes and i are so fucking strict with it it is so awkward yeah Yes, so the Dark One uh, appears in his human form, and I think does mm. Ra- I think this is the point where Rand kind of passes out, and then once yeah. he once he appears, uh, Moraine I think tries I think she was trying to shield him. It's hilarious, whatever the fuck she's trying to. It's the Dark One. He just yeah. he like moves his pinky slightly, and he just completely annihilates her power like it's nothing. And what what do we yeah. expect from the Dark One? Like he's not gonna I have know. an issue with one eye that I as you should, King, right? No, I also want to point out that he has 
something like a, a intricate ring that goes around like three of his fingers that he keeps using every time yeah. when he was like stealing Moraine. I'm just going to say that yeah. because we don't know what happened. Or when he was uh, reversing the injury to Egwene's neck in Rand's like dream thing, he kind of like twists his hand again. So there's something there. It's like it must be like a Terangrial or an Angrial or something that allows him to like manipulate things. I don't know what, but noted. Interesting. Yeah, he's doing he's doing something. He also has a really cool fit. He has this like long yeah. like boyfriend cut. It's probably his boyfriend's T-shirt that like goes past yeah. his legs, and he has like a sick oh razor. My God, yeah. I yeah. love the style of the Age of Legends people because it it still looks futuristic and which it should, right? right? Like it's this is our future. Hopefully, we have discovered the one power in a couple of thousand years of time, right? I know. What do we? What magic do we have? Like my fucking electric kettle can boil water. Uh, it's not enough. Uh, yeah. So the Dark One is able to, I guess, infiltrate Rand's brain, and he shows yeah. him this world. Of what? what he could have and, and I guess it's uh, yeah. Evans Field and Egwene's there and they have their little daughter Joya who's really cute and everything yeah. looks super great and it's all about temptation all in my about, opinion all about temptation exactly and Rand again at this point he's pretty good at lucid dreaming he's pretty good at figuring out how to figure right, out if right. dreams are dreams so he says this very specific story to Egwene she passes the test our plays from this life uh, this life to the next Rand excellent single tier once again let's see oh, yeah. on that always a plus but then <laughs> the dark one like pauses pauses time he's like hey you yeah. could have this isn't it cool you could have anything you want what do you want it's about you just do whatever the fuck you want you're the dragon which i actually was yeah. like yeah you're the dragon fucking reborn however many people are in this world you're like one out of millions and millions of people possibly and you're the dragon reborn so yeah you can do whatever you want i would say you should ruin everyone else's lives for your own sake why not you can but in doing this i guess this part i could i couldn't grasp onto because this is so wildly different from the book ending it's like wildly yeah, different yeah. every part of this is different so the dark one's actually teaching rand how to channel and he's like you know, let the yeah. one power uh, flow through you, make your body like a sieve. And I thought that that explanation was helpful for me understanding the Egwene and Nynaeve scene later when they're mm -hmm. they're channeling as well with Amalisa and how other people are better at channeling than others because it's sort of you're working with this unworldly power, right? You have to like work with it. You can't control yeah. it. Yeah. You can't fight it. Right, you can't fight it. So I kind of like that, but... I don't know. What did you think of this scene? Because I didn't really understand it. I just wanted Rand channeling to be fucking cooler and be more impactful. <laughs> I know. Like it is. In I the think book. they're saving it or something. Like I know the end of the book was so cool because he got these really epic moments of like destroying the whole Trolloc army and everyone yeah. thinks he's a god and then he just like eats off into the stars and it's awesome. Yeah. And we don't get that at all. But I really love this. For other reasons because i think okay. it just touches on the theme of the books a lot where it's like temptation like you could take the easy route the sith route where right. you give into your emotions and you just do whatever you want to do because that's how you feel or you can take the difficult route which is the light and choose like say like no i'm not going to give into this because I like everyone else should be able to choose for themselves too i can't just puppeteer the entire world that's not right 
you know, I can't get into it too much. It fits really well with okay. certain things in the series. So I get where they came from with including it in the first season. So I don't really have a problem with it. I think it's it's nice. I would have liked Rand to have some kind of epic moment because he was so hidden this season, you know? But he is the Dragon Reborn. So they're not going to ignore him for the rest of the show. He'll have his moment. He'll have plenty of moments. I love that perspective as a whole because, yeah, as I'm sure people listening to this podcast know, like a lot of the criticism of the show is kind of what we already were expressing too. It's like the differences Mm -hmm. from the book to the show, like I was just doing. But like as Julia's saying, like if we just focus on the main hit points and the main feeling, the vibes, if you will, then it's it's good. Like Brandon Sanderson said, it's just a different turning of the wheel. And if he's saying this, Mm -hmm. we have to trust him because he also is the Dragon Reborn. I know, yeah. Okay. Wow. Robert Jordan, Dragon, Brandon Sanderson, Dragon Reborn. I coined that, by the way. That's my IP. Thank you. Okay. Uh, So Rand has this cool, like, monologue where he's like, the woman I love doesn't want this. I love this life, but she doesn't. So I can't do that for her, and I can't choose for her, which is like, um, men? Men, listen to that. Yeah. Hi, did you hear? Template Thank you. right Did here. Did you hear our king? He said it. In saying this, he is choosing the light so Moraine doesn't have to slit his throat. And he picks right, up the right. sa- sangriel from his uh, coat pocket and he channels yeah, into it. Yeah, it was really unexpected, honestly. Like, when in real life, he just kind of, like, suddenly wakes up and stands and I'm like, damn, I would have had a head rush and passed out. I would have absolutely uh, passed out. Yeah, that part was kind of awkward. He's just like... Kind of laying against Moraine, <laughs> yeah. and then all of a sudden just stands up and is like, hand hand out, ready to annihilate mm-hmm, the Dark mm-hmm. One, which he does, and it's just like this soft like explosion, and then the Dark One disintegrates, but he's smiling as it's oh, happening. Yeah. Oh, he's so smiling. He, he's like he knows. Right. He's like this is part of it. This is part of my yeah. He's like, you idiots. Uh, I like that little touch because as we're hit over the head of it in this entire episode, this is not the end. This is the first battle. This is not how it ends. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, guess what? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Conflict's going to be still happening. It's fine. I did think it was funny. Just like the book, right after this happens, Moraine goes, what happened? Tell, what happened? Tell me. <laughs> tell me everything. Tell me everything. And Rand's like, I did what I did it. Tell, me, tell them I died. <laughs> Bye. I'm done. That was my last battle. No, I mean, I think it, it ultimately, the vibes and the the major plot points were hit in the ways that I wanted them to be hit yeah. for the most part. I think it was fine. It sets Rand up very similarly to the end of Eye of the World where he's kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be on my own because like, you know, I've got to go through my quarter life crisis. This right. is how it goes everyone at this he age, has to right? go You're like, find yoda on dagobah have his training sequence exactly. it's all part of the hero's journey okay he's in line yeah one day we're gonna map out the entire hero's journey one it day it will happen it's going it is a happen. circle so it fits it for is real a time circle. just to conclude this part of the episode the seal that rand is standing on and marie yes and that's where yep. the Aes Sedai yin yang symbol is on that is unbroken before this fight, and then once Rand does mm-hmm. the explosion thing to disintegrate the Dark One, that incident is what cracks the yep. seal. Yep. And 
after Rand leaves and he's like, tell them I died. And Maureen's like, I can't lie. And Rand's like, just figure it out. I'm leaving. And <laughs> Lan finds Moraine. Moraine cries. She's like, I can't touch the source. And then she's like, also, Wee. look, uh, Coendiar. And Lan goes, Hearthstone. Not even the one power can break it. And then we get the, this was not the last battle. It was the oh. first. Oh my god, the seal on the dark one has been broken and we did it by accident. It's Whoopsie. happening. Yeah, so uh, that's where they're at. Moraine, yeah. she uh, struggling a little bit, you know? It's... Yep. Yeah, in a worse place in the show than she was in the book, I would say. Yeah, yeah. In the book, she uh, is very triumphant at the end because she gets to be like, the yeah, prophecies will be fulfilled. The dragon is <laughs> yeah. born. Right. She's like, only my ego is bruised. It's In the fine. show, it's like, the one power is at me fingertips and I can't touch it. <laughs> Not me fingertips, Bale Doman. Bale Doman was a very he better make sad cut. Better. He better make an appearance or Listen I will be tweeting at Rafe Judkins every single day of the rest of my life. Yeah, so there are also other characters in this episode. Alright, so let's talk about Perrin real quick, because he doesn't do a ton this episode. Poor Perrin is just kind of reeling, you know, he's been reeling this whole season, and then his secret crush was exposed last episode, which is always awkward, you know, like your friends know that you have a crush and they try to like force you together and it's just like please no it's too much so basically Perrin tags on to Lord Agalmar's men because Perrin this whole episode is like um what am I supposed to do this is ridiculous we're all gonna die and Loyal's like hey you know when you don't know what to do all you have to do is ask and Perrin's yeah. like this is literally I was already asking can you just give me the answer <laughs> thank you <laughs> Yeah, I, somewhere along the way, I guess Perrin is really hardcore following Way of the Leaf. I didn't realize that. Yes, yeah. That he's that he's fully in on that moment. I just thought he, like, had a good experience with them. I didn't know he was like, this is my lifestyle. Yeah, I know. I guess I think this is their way of translating what he's dealing with in the book, which is, like, okay. his own shock and horror at his violence because he doesn't really remember killing the White Cloaks in the book. And right. he almost kills Egwene, also Mercy kills, and he's kind of, like, really disgusted by that. So there's there's a really big battle going inside Perrin about, like, am I this person? Am I this kind of violent person? Or am I this gentle giant that everyone thinks I am? So I guess that's how they're interpreting it for the show, which I'm totally fine with. Again, he encountered the Way of the Leaf. Ela gave her amazing story about her daughter and, you know, wanting to pick up the spear and do nothing more than kill everyone who killed her daughter, but she doesn't because that's not how, that's not the world she wants her daughter to be reborn into. Again, I think anyone would have been moved by that story, so I get it, Perrin, like, totally right there with you. So he goes and asks to help out the guys who were digging up the throne floor. And he goes and helps. And the point of this is pretty much for him to run into Pat and Fane at the end. Because Pat and Fane shows up again. I think I mentioned this. I'm pretty sure this storyline was supposed to be Matt's. Because Matt interacts with Pat and Fane a lot more yeah. in the beginning of the season than Perrin ever does. So, but like, I think it kind of works here anyway. He 
sees Pat and Fane, kind of grabs the axe. Pat and Fane is doing his taunting bullshit. He's always oh, so hateable. I love to hate him. It's great. But Perrin essentially kind of does nothing. <laughs> it's just, there's this no. one moment where, like, Pat and Fane shows up and then runs away or something. And Perrin's like, wait, don't. And it's like, what? What did you expect? He's doing a whole not no violence thing, so I guess he's like not trying to. Yeah, this part yeah. didn't really play well because Panfane enters the gates because he gets the secret password, and then the Fates decapitate mm-hmm. the two guards yeah. with no effort. And then yeah, Perrin keeps seeing the guy, and then yeah, Panfane takes this moment to be like, "Time to evil guy monologue at you," and mm-hmm. Perrin's like, "Okay, I'll see you around." Right, everyone's dying around me, but I guess I won't die. Also, Pettenfane mentions that five of them are Taviran. I think I mentioned this earlier in the episode, too, but that's interesting. Uh, that's kind of exciting. So all, all of the Emmonsfield five, maybe, are Taviran in the show. Totally fine with that change, obviously. Nynaeve's like the most powerful channeler ever. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes like, so from what sense. we saw from Rand this episode, Nynaeve is still the most powerful channeler ever. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently Loyal, he's like stabbed in the gut by Pat and Fane, but Julia told me pre-show that he, there are hints that he's actually not dead. Let me just say, again, Rafe Judkins, if yeah. Loyal is dead, I will be tweeting at you every single day for the rest of my life. That is not a threat, but a promise. I don't know how he'll survive that, or anyone else who is stabbed like that, but, you know, they best survive. He's a, he's a ogier. They don't Yeah, it's different. Die. He's different anatomy. They don't have organs internally. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, and Perrin does his thing. Who cares? The only other Perrin thing is, at the very beginning of the episode, Egwene's, like, crying because she's like, I have to go after Rand. I love him. Perrin's like, I love him, too. We can't do anything, okay? (laughs) And then Egwene's like, are we going to be okay, Perrin? He's like, we'll always Mm -hmm. be all right. Can we still be friends even though I rejected you? Yeah, what is this? So I I think that makes it obvious to me that, yeah, there was, they were very good friends. Maybe they were the start of the friend group. Maybe, like, Matt and Rand were real close growing up. Right, right, And then right. Perrin and Egwene were close, and Perrin, like, loved her, and then Egwene along the way just chose Rand, and Perrin f- always felt butthurt about this, so he's like, I'll just marry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess maybe that's what she's referring to. Does it need to be in the show? No. Do I care about it? No. Yeah, I hope they just drop it for season two. It's resolved at this point. You know, he says they're okay, so... Now, a exactly. relationship that needs to remain, because it's awesome, Lan and Nynaeve. We get yes. pretty much... Dialogue per, for dialogue, the uh, scene in the book oh, where Lan is telling yeah. Nynaeve that the man she chooses <laughs> he will hate because it is not him, but he will love him if he loves Nynaeve. I loved this so much in the book. I recited the entire scene on that pod episode. <laughs> it was beautiful. Uh, this is following right after Nynaeve says, I can tell you how to track Moraine because I was following her. When she was saying this, when I was first watching the episode, I thought she meant her as Egwene because of their connection with the One Power. Uh, so oh. I didn't I didn't realize that they were going with, that she was able to track Moraine because she has a tell. Yeah. I would love to know what that tell is. I would also love to know what that tell is. Like, what if Moraine leaves some horrendous silent but deadly clouds? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Because... Yeah. 
you see later, Lan is moving through the blight so quickly. So I feel like he oh, just yeah. like turned up his nose gauge to like a ten. Right. He's like, I'm gonna, yeah, we know this he's is got usually a good nose. what I use for trollics, but uh, Nynaeve told me that Moraine has some broccoli farts, mm-hmm. so I'm just gonna follow that <laughs> straight up through the blight. And he got there really quickly, so clearly he did. Yeah, it's a pretty obvious tell. Yeah, does Lord Agomar in the books not say that if you want someone to take you through the Blight, it's got to be Lan, because he courts the Blight like he courts a woman, and he's courting Nynaeve really well, so he's clearly got to court the Blight really well, too, so... He fucking gets it. I also love that he included saying to Nynaeve, like, you would let me go without you, and Nynaeve's like, just bring him back. And she says this later as she's trying to flee Faldara with Perrin, Anna Gwaine, she's like, I already lost I already lost Matt and Rand. I have to just cut my losses yeah. at this point. Like, we need to go. I'm trying to stay so true to my original purpose of saving you guys, and I kind of failed, but we need to get out of here. There's nothing here left for us. So at least she can feel like she tried her best with Rand and sent Lan after, and they mm-hmm. get their little thing in the book which is very sweet i it's like it feels a little bit unearned like i wanted their relationship yeah, to be more explored but rushed but uh that's again just spending more time with uh all the yeah. white power shit in right. um five and six for all that talk of saving people and not losing them again she and Egwene go and put themselves straight in harm's way i know well it was funny when they were trying to leave and loyal shows up he's like yeah so annalise is asking for all the women who can channel Nynaeve's like fucking kidding me right now <laughs> we were yeah. two steps from the gate and you're telling me i have to go back because i need to know she's like no one's close to my power so i have to do this right like she's like i guess i'm your savior all right yeah sure so the trollocs are fast approaching uh tarwin's gap horns are blaring yeah. There's about to be a battle. Shit is going down. Battle prep begins. Let's fucking go. I loved the scene. I thought, like, all of it looked really cool, like them prepping and all of that, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Amalisa and Algamar make the plan, essentially. Aggie and the boys will defend Tarwin's Gap, and Amalisa and all the Shinaran women will defend the city. Um, he also has this, like, almost, like, heartbreaking realization with her, and he's like, you're right. We should have called the Aes Sedai to help us. Like, Tarwin's Gap yeah. will not hold. The city will fall. All we can do is send our messengers to the surrounding villages to let them know this army is coming. But this is the first battle. And then he says this term I've never heard of before, like Tama and Gamban. Ah, oh, Tarman Gaidon, the last battle. Yes. I know. I, I really liked this scene because I thought it did a good job of kind of setting the tone and forcing the viewer to realize just the stakes that were starting from this. Like he is, he says, we should have asked for aid long ago. Today, Tarwin's gap will fall. He's going to Tarwin's gap and this city will fall after the dark one is waking. Tarman Gaidon is here. The last battle. And it like, if that doesn't set up the tone for the rest of it, I don't know what will. This is literally the beginning of the last battle right here. This is the Dark One being like, all right, I got my army. I'm going to start attacking the entire continent now. Because if Tarwin's Gap falls, then the entire continent does too. And no one's prepared. No one has been warned ahead of time. They'll try to get word out as fast as they can, but... 
I mean, how fast can a bird fly compared to Trollocs running? Like, it can't be that much faster. Well, right, and we don't know how quickly they uh, sealed up the Faldaran uh, Waygate, so there might just be Trollocs yeah. in the lands already. Yeah, it's Maybe they didn't good. yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe they didn't even do that. And Amalisa just is sort of like, okay, you know what? I'll get all the women that can channel. I'm going to defend this city. Like, it will not fall do your best and uh he does he <laughs> also dies uh he gets speared by a trolley yeah i'm fucking pissed about that i know another death in a, in a pretty like unremarkable death it's just like he just sort of yeah. dies when he was such like a great guy I in know. the book too he doesn't die in the book so when they're making battle plans he goes to his top two advisors and he's like you know what you have to do and what they have to do yeah is break this stone under the throne to pull out what we later find out to be the Horn of Valir. I'm sorry. You couldn't get Perrin and Loyal and some other, like, strong dudes who don't want to do violence, but you're two <laughs> top guys. You're going to keep them here and then later so that mm -hmm. they can be killed by fades. That doesn't feel like the best use of their talents. That guy's beard, he could have killed anything. That was yeah. Intar. No, I the power of that beard? I know. It should have just decimated the fades. I'm sorry. They should have died. Maybe it's the fact that the fades can't see. So they can't see the beard and therefore can't be affected by its power, you know? Damn. Yeah, but he was hot. R.I.P. to another hot guy. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. If they're all dead, I'm actually going to throw a fit. I'm, I'm, this is the third time I'm saying it. Is it false? No, it's true. Again, it, yeah, it was just, like, a lot of deaths, but a lot of irrelevant deaths, like, uh, we were about to talk about. Like, the two other randos who could channel, like, they just killed them off easily. It's like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, okay, let's let's get into the, the women channeling scene, because I have a couple problems with this. Okay. I, like, okay, first of all, logistically, why, when there's a gigantic cliff that the city is standing on, are you down below in harm's way with the Trolloc army who can't climb that cliff, okay? You can channel from up there, right? Amelisa, come on, no? Amelisa, this feels like her first battle. She feels very, like, yeah. uh, this is yes. seems cool thing to do. Yeah. Nynaeve should have been the fucking focal point, let's be honest. I okay? know, yeah, come on. No, I, I think that's actually, like, nail on the head right there because... She, as it was pointed out last season, or not season, last episode, didn't make it to full Aes Sedai at the tower. Right. She doesn't have the stone in her ring, so she's really not fully trained. And the fact that she's leading this circle. Okay, so another circle yeah. thing. Linking slash circling. When you link together with another channeler, there's usually one person who kind of controls the flow of things. In the books... This means that no one can burn out from it. It's kind of a safety measure, too. Okay. In the show, that is not a thing. You can still burn out, obviously, because a lot of them do. So Amelisa is leading the circle here. Everyone else is giving her the power, and she's never experienced power like this. I'm assuming as soon as, like, Egwene and Nynaeve showed up to the circle, she just was, like overdosing on the one power pretty much like right. she's never experienced that level of awareness yeah. well you see when she reaches out to Nynaeve and like comes back into her she like kind of yeah has to suck it down because yeah Nynaeve's right. power is just way too uh, Nynaeve was again 
she was fucking killing it this episode, as always. Yeah. But, like, she was channeling yeah. out of her fucking mind, out of her gourd, no. you know? She never stops, yeah. Not knowing that. I thought the scene was cool because I think... I, I like seeing channeling that way. Yeah. I like the depiction of showing Egwene uh, and Nynaeve channeling and the other women that are dying. So you're seeing how Egwene and Nynaeve are just on such a different level of channeling because they can handle yeah. so much. And it was yep. only until, like... Really at the very end where Egwene and Nynaeve are burning up. But they were really handling it for mm-hmm. the most part. And I thought it was cool how they showed how the army was decimated. To me, I this is visually yeah. what I assumed happened with the Minethrin back yes. in the day, the Trolloc army. And that was one Aes Sedai who decimated Ugh, it yeah. and burning up. Yeah. But I, I, I like that depiction. And also how like the burning looked on the eyes. Yeah, no, I thought that was really well done. I thought it, it really drove home the stakes of channeling yeah. without oh, yeah. training for that amount. Um, it's if Nynaeve and Egwene are not afraid of channeling accidentally now, then before they will be now. Like right. that that is a real risk. They witnessed three other women die in front right. of their eyes because they couldn't handle that amount of the one power. It's a very real fear for people who channel so right and Nynaeve's like after they decimate the army she's like let it go and Amelie's is like I can't and then okay yeah there's this I did not like this there's this really awful bit of dialogue where she's like I feel every breath <laughs> every life and yeah. it's like no just die I was kind of over her at that point yeah this is how I interpreted the scene because it was happening quickly so Amelisa dies Nynaeve and Egwene are like crawling on the ground because they can't disengage from the one power because Amelisa's controlling the circle Egwene Mm -hmm. is burning up and will die and Nynaeve basically like absorbs the one power from Egwene so that Nynaeve burns out and Egwene is saved but then later Egwene just does like a hand thing over Nynaeve and then Nynaeve is saved yeah okay this is where my major problem comes in because before we get into that, I kind of liked Amelise's speech right before she died. If only, okay. I thought it was awkward, but if only for the fact that it really points out, and we'll see this more in the books too, but when you are touching the true source, when you have the one power flowing through you, you can kind of like see and hear everything. Like you're okay. kind of, because the one power is the driving force of time, essentially. It's the driving creation force of the entire universe. Right. So you're kind of connected to everything when you touch the one power. So you can, you can feel like the wind, you can see the cracks in the wall from like hundreds of feet away or something. I don't know. Either way. I thought that's kind of what they were doing there is being like, oh, if you're holding that much of the one power, then you can see and feel the world type of okay. thing. I thought it was done in an awkward way, but I like the fact that they're remembering that and bringing it into the show. I hope they do more of that later on in a different way, maybe. Besides that, Nynaeve burning out I, it is like a direct contradiction to so many book things. And this okay. is the one nitpick that I might harp on a little bit. I'm not going to harp on it for very long, though, so bear with me. There's no way she could have actually died here because you cannot heal death. That is a hard fact. I don't think they're going to change that. I don't think they did change that. She's just almost dead, but she looks really dead here. And I think a lot of viewers who haven't read the books are going to assume that she died. And then Egwene kind of like 
you know, single-tiered drop onto Nynaeve brought her back to life Disney style. That's what it And like. I don't really like that. The emotional impact, I don't think we needed that moment, you know? It was already really intense with the whole army coming at them. We didn't need Nynaeve to almost die, too, and for Egwene to bring her back. I think it would have been cooler if Egwene used some, like, wisdom herbs or something to, like, heal Nynaeve from that after she was, like, exhausted or something. That would have been a really nice, like, full circle thing with them. But as we've been saying for this whole season, I'll forgive the show for it for now. I know this episode was probably quite the doozy to figure out how to do and to give everyone enough material to work with logistically, so it's whatever. I know she didn't actually die. I think Rafe said that himself, so it's fine. It's a little nitpick, though. It's not my favorite moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like we already had a naive fake-out death earlier in the season. We don't need this. People have already died, like... Pretty much all of Faldara leadership has died. Uh, <laughs> so there. Oh, I'm so mad about that. Yeah, it's not uh, great. Yeah, who would be? I don't. Yeah, if Loyal's still around, he know. should just take up Faldara because he'll just turn it into right? a library. Yeah, that's a good cool. fucking question because, you know? like, I love Agomar in the book. All right, That's I'm great. sorry. Can he come back as a ghost? <laughs> yeah, something. Can Egwene? heal him because she clearly can heal people from death so right yeah can he be like nearly headless headless nick or something from harry potter and he's just like a ghost but everyone accepts him around town they're just like ah he's like our forever leader you know it's fine and we'll all turn him out again because he shouldn't have died there you know we regret that decision so (laughs) nearly headless aggie oh yeah he just (laughs) uh got speared at the last battle but he's uh existing he had to give up all of his leadership titles, but he can still hang out in closets. So mm-hmm. uh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a uh, last couple things to round this out. They do the boys back at uh, Faldara Fortress. They get up uh, the Horn of Valir, and one of them explains, this will be blown. No, it can't be blown by you, Perrin. Only by the dragon to call all the heroes down for the uh, last yeah. battle. So I guess they're preparing that. Patton takes it, so that mm-hmm. will become mm-hmm. relevant Set later. Up. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of it for this part of the episode. Like, do you have anything else to kind of talk about or say? I don't think so. No, it's, it's. I mean, everyone, I'm assuming, is set up for the same way yeah. Eye of the World ended, where Rand is, like, threatening to go off on his own. Right. In the show, he's definitely going off on his own. Egwene and Nynaeve have just gone through some extreme trauma. They're probably going to be chilling for a while. Moraine has something new to deal with, which is, we'll see where that goes. And Perrin is still kind of, like, dealing with his own internal stuff, which I think is fair, considering what happened in episode one. So, overall, I don't know. I'm excited to see where season two goes. We do get a Matt scene that came out of absolutely nowhere. So, Matt looks like shit as he normally does and he's walking through the empty streets of tar Valon, and he looks up at the white tower and he's doing this as pat and fane is voicing over saying that the world needs balance and since five of you are taviran some will lean toward the shadow some will lean toward the light mm. and ran maybe the dragon but all of you are going to be relevant so again that's yeah setting up it's more exciting uh i was not expecting to see matt again so it was cool to see him so i wonder if Perrin because he can't do anything that would focus too much on his own life because it's just too traumatic so I think it would make sense that his next step would be like finding Matt 
You know, like, yeah. let's focus on yeah. someone else instead of my own life, because that's, I can't go right. there. So maybe Pat and Fane saying that maybe motivates Perrin to be like, oh, shit, I got to find Matt, because he is going to go toward the shadow, and we can't mm-hmm. have that, and, you know, where the fuck is he? Egwene and Nynaeve are probably going to the White Tower. Rand, the fuck knows? Yeah. So maybe that can be his next path, and that, I think, would make more sense, because he just has nothing else to do. He barely had anything no. to do this season. They have to make him a love tri- <laughs> triangle for him. So I hope that maybe he can link up with Matt. Yeah, so I want to see more parent growth next Absolutely. season, for sure. I think they are setting him up for that, though, because it okay. makes sense. That's where he's going in Eye of the World. At the end of it, he's going to go back to Tar Valen with the girls, because they're going back to train. He's probably going to want to go back in the show to go get Matt. I think that makes a ton of sense. I think you're right. So we'll see. And then the last uh, scene we already talked about, so I'm just excited for season two, and I'm so fucking excited yeah. for book two. If anything, uh. this, this show just makes me want to read the books more. Like, I just want to get yeah. into them. That's all I want from the show, really. Like we said many times, we love the show no matter what it would look like. I'm watching, we're watching every single episode for however long it is. Like, we'll be here. I so. know. How many times have we rewatched every episode? All uh, right. Quite as a much few as we times. criticize, Amazon still got us. They still got those numbers up, but yeah, book two will be uh, happening soon. Um, look out for a little update episode for us. We're going to tell y'all more about some Copland plans. But for now, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, keep an eye on our socials. We're going to take a little break before we get into book two, so we'll keep you guys updated. Keep an eye out for that. But that wraps up. Not only Eye of the World, but the first season of Amazon's The Wheel of Time. I cannot wait to get into the rest of it. We've literally not even scratched the surface. Ugh, there's so much more to get into. You don't even know how much I'm holding back. Julia's been holding it in this whole time, okay? You don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to read book two. Yeah, I know. Well, next time you hear from us... You're going to hear from us at some point. At some point. Also, Rafe Judkins, keep an ear out, okay? Because we have yeah. things to dust. Right, yeah. Just, like, tweet at us, Rafe. It's all right. Like, we're casual like that. So, just saying. At Copland Talk, email coplandtalk at gmail.com. Rafe, mm-hmm. hit us up. Copland's pitchforks away. We'll see you guys for book two. <laughs> Get Bye. ready. Bye.